there's expectations uh, that we allow people to put upon us. And one of my biggest things that I've come out of all of my different life transitions was, or is, that we're allowed to have our own expectations of ourselves and we don't have to adopt the expectations of other people. Everyone goes through transitions. Sometimes they're planned and sometimes they're unexpected. Uh, sometimes they can be good and then sometimes not so much. Well, I met an amazing woman at Second Shift Coworking in Chicago, Illinois, and I've been dying to share her story with you. I was not only motivated, but inspired uh, by how she sat down and was so open uh, and willing to share uh, with me and with you all her truth. Big thanks to Levi Bear, the community manager and co-founder of Second Shift, uh, for facilitating the introduction. Uh, this truly is, uh, I don't know, my favorite episode so far, yet uh, we're only three in, but I really do hope that you all take the time out to listen to uh, how you can overcome obstacles through any different time of transition, whether it be personal, career, uh, with relationships, you know, uh, you don't have to do it alone. That's one of the best parts about co-working. And I think that uh, through the story, you'll really understand why some of us are co-workaholics. So without further ado, Here's Coworkaholic Diaries, episode number three. My name is Patty Flynn. I'm with Phase N Consulting Group, and I've been co-working for about two months. This is the first and only co-working space I've ever visited, yes. I've experienced many transitions being almost 50 years old, so I've done them all. I've had children. Um, I've seen them go through different stages, and I've gone through them myself where I would do different things. Um, I am an endurance athlete um, for the past seven years, and I'm a transgender woman. And if there's one thing you don't need when you're going through that kind of transition in life, it's to be alone. I had moved to Chicago in August, but really moved here full-time last October. And that's what brought me out here. I was in Southern California. Up until June of this year, I had worked at a family business as part of the family business um, in leadership and in management, and I needed to meet somebody in the city. So I was trying to find, um, how I stumbled on the co-working was I was trying to find a place for us to go meet in the city that was like a conference room. I didn't want to meet in a restaurant or in a coffee shop um, because of the distractions. I didn't end up using a co-working space but it planted a seed at that point. And when I later left that job, I came here after a little bit of, of time. So I, I walked up without an appointment to come in. I went online to see the first appointment was like three days later. And I said, well, you know what? I'm just going to go anyways. And so I showed up at the door and there's somebody down there and Levi had come down to open the door. And I said, I don't have an appointment, but I'm here to see the place anyway. So he, I came in and he walked me around. So I, I got the tour and I sat down and I started doing work and I could just feel like, and I don't know if I really knew the extent of how awesome this place would be, but I could tell that there was 
a definite vibe that I wanted to be a part of. Um, the previous day I'd worked in a coffee shop, which drove me to here. Nice enough coffee, sh coffee shop. There was every table was occupied by somebody with their laptop working. Um, but it was loud, it was distracting, and it wasn't what it is here. Even though there are people doing work, there's stuff going on, it's not the same environment. Founder of Second Shift, this uh, lovely co-working space here on the northwest side of Chicago. Second Shift has been open for a year and a half, uh, co-founded by myself and Nicole Vazquez, another co-working powerhouse. And uh, we built this space because we really believe in community being the way, the mechanism, the tool, the path for the success and the productivity that we're all looking for in our you know, personal lives. I remember Patty's tour. First, I'll say that, you know, some people come in and they, they, they like the nice office. You know, we have a nice looking place here. They kind of look at the members wall where we have the profiles and sort of see it. And they, you know, I can see that I don't see the, the connect in their eyes where they don't really get, you know, would I be on that? Why would I be on that? Do, do I have to sit out in this open area with everybody? Like some people, you know, they kind of don't really get it. And I could tell that she was, had the usual level of skepticism for, can I sit in a space with a bunch of other people and get work done? But not that, like, truly not, she was, she, she was getting it. Well, I'd say my coffee shop issue wasn't necessarily the plug or the Wi-Fi. It was that it, it's a distraction machine in there. I mean, there are people coming and going all day long. Now, there's people moving around in this office, but it's an office move. You're walking around, you're walking to the kitchen, you're walking. I, I think that that's the biggest takeaway is that if you're gonna try and do work in a coffee shop, you have to be the most, you have to have the, the best blinders in the world to be able to get it done. I don't know how people do it in there. I mean, and, and maybe it's because my, um, my personality or you know, a little bit of how I am is someone who is frankly easily distracted. I mean, um, you know, I see a shiny object and, and it distracts me. I felt kind of bad because if you're going in there to go get a drink of coffee and sit down at a table, there's nowhere to sit because all of us freelancers are in there or all of our job hunters are in there taking up an entire table to, to work on our computers. And, you know, that's what I like here is that if there's more people, the tables get a little bit more crowded, but there's also a lot of tables and there's a lot of space and there's, you know, there's some courtesy too for people just don't spread their stuff out. And, and, um, but again, you know, feel super safe to just walk home, but leave everything at my desk, close my laptop and walk home. And I, I just, I couldn't say that for a coffee shop. Intrigued. I could, I could see the sparkle in her eye that she was liking it, you know, right away in our tour. She, she shared with me that she was looking for a place that would be LGBTQ friendly. And second shift, I'm very proud of how inclusive we are and how that's a, a really forward facing value of ours. But we're not necessarily like a you know, queer space or an LGBTQ space necessarily like by brand. There are other spaces that do that. And, and we want to be a place for everybody, but we haven't established like that as a thing for us. And since the owners are not that, you know, and so we don't want to be something we're not. But we do want to be welcoming to all people. So I, you know, to be honest, I was like, well, is I was wondering, is this going to be a space where Patty, as a trans person, is going to feel comfortable here? And and I wasn't sure. And so I, I gave the same tour that I give to everybody. I said the same things that I said to everybody. And it just really, 
it, it really meant so much to me when she got back to me in the next day and said, I, I love the tour. I love this space. You were very welcoming, Levi, and I want to sign up. The real deciding factor to coming to Second Shift was the proximity to the little grocery store co-op, uh, Dill Pickle, um, as it was on the way to come here and I needed to get something to eat for that app, for that lunch for that day. So I'm like, I'm going to go to this place because I can stop at the Dill Pickle, pick up something for lunch, and then come to this co-working space. Um, and so that's how I discovered it here. And when I walked through that door and I saw the the activity here and then I, you know, I, I literally signed up that, that afternoon. I can be working here and have my stuff all out on a table and I need to go get lunch or I need to go to the restroom. I don't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going to leave my laptop sitting in this coffee shop to go to the bathroom. I mean, cause that was one of the things I only worked for an afternoon in the coffee shop and I was scared. I mean, like I, Basically, the end of my day was when I had to use a restroom. That was that's when I had to end the day because I just didn't feel safe. I didn't, and I also didn't want to like pack all my stuff up and bring it into the bathroom. Some people can work at home. I can't. Um, you know that distraction machine that is my brain also functions that way at home because there's so many things to see. There's so many inputs that I get very distracted at home with all the things that I should be doing there. Here, there's potential distractions, but they're not mine. I don't need to go clean up the sink. I don't need to clean up my living room here because my living room's not here. And nothing here is my responsibility um, other than just to be a good member of the community. In corporate culture of 2018, like sort of the wave is that people, work-life balance is really just work-life integration. We're all humans all the time, whether I'm at work or at home, I'm the same person. And so, you know, for people that are out there kind of going rogue, which is a great thing, working for yourself, working from home, even if you work for a big company, working from home, coworking provides that place to actually experience the balance, experience the integration. And that we see that every day here that, oh, I'm out there by myself and I, I'm, you know, I'm starting to feel a little crazy. I'm feeling a little nuts. I'm talking to the cat, the dog, the dishwasher, the baby, the Netflix, the nap, whatever, like one episode. And then three hours later, <clears throat> you know, maybe you still watch an episode of the coworking space, but yes, we believe that Second Shift and spaces like ours that are truly community focused are providing that place to experience that balance and that integration and that productivity. The Coworkaholic Diaries are sponsored in part by DeskPass. Turn the whole city into your office with DeskPass. From fun and funky co-working spaces to executive shared offices or startups with extra workspace, DeskPass gives you access to a variety of places to explore and enjoy as your office for the day. With just one membership, you can work from over 200 locations in seven cities across the U.S., starting for as little as $49 a month. When you need a place to get work done, get it done with DeskPass. I don't have contact anymore with my parents um, because of my gender transition. Um, they also questioned my endurance athlete trans transition, you know, from essentially couch potato to endurance athlete. I struggled to do 5Ks. Um, when I first started training to do a triathlon, it was because I wanted to do a triathlon because I'd seen, I signed up for a little tiny one. 
because I'd seen the wild world of sports when I was younger and the Iron Man, you know, when they first sh started showing that on TV, um, I must've been nine or 10 years old. And um, it was amazing to me. And it stuck somewhere back in the back of my brain. And I tried to do it once, but I didn't do any of the training. And for whatever reason, something at that point, I said, okay, well, I'm gonna do this. So I had intention. And, and my intention was to do something that was out of my comfort zone, wasn't a 5K, although there was 5K part of it, and to do something that was kind of in my head like a bucket list, even if it was just a little sprint triathlon. I swam in the Pacific Ocean. I rode my bike right over by LAX in Westchester and, and ran on the beach, and it was awesome. And as But as I was training, I signed up for the next one. And then I signed up for a half marathon and then I signed up for the LA marathon and I did it that year. And then the next year I actually qualified for the Boston marathon. That progressive move through what I was doing was really important in the process of learning how to plan life and work. And I find it so useful for business, even though the downside was when I was training for Ironman, I was trying to qualify for Kona. And so I was training 20 hours a week and personal life and work life did definitely suffer for a couple of years there because I was totally singularly focused. Before I started doing the triathlons, I was keeping everything, keeping the lid on everything with booze, a literal beard, you know, um, and, uh, and then I just swapped those two repression techniques. I kept it away pretty good until it didn't. As part of the family, there's a level of expectations, um, but then there's also inter-family dynamics. And I was working in an office that I wasn't out in. So I was out when I lived in the city as much as I could be um, without feeling uncomfortable or anxious. Um, and then I would go to work and, and it was pretty miserable. When they say people just choose to do this, I'm like, the fuck we do? I mean, this is not a choice. If I had a choice, I wouldn't, I would take a pill that would make me not do this. But, you know, the other choice that I had was to kill myself and I wasn't going to take that choice. So a year ago, I made the choice to, to transition. So I made the decision to walk away from the family business after 26 years, um, right, up, right out of college. The transition out of that job and holding a family business job for so long has been um, a challenge. As I tried to figure out what to do next because I took a leap. I just left and um, I didn't have a plan of what to do next. Um, and I was trying to figure that out, but trying to do that from home. And if there's one thing you don't need when you're going through that kind of transition in life, it's to be alone. I was in a really dark place. Um, trying to do this from my home. I had gone through quitting a job that was the only thing I ever knew, being somewhat isolated in a city that I was new to or relatively new enough to. I mean, you can't count the winter. Nobody, nobody goes outside. Nobody was outside until May. And then dealing with my transition um, and telling my truth to people who are supposed to be there for me and weren't 
and um, coming to this space had saved my life because I, I don't know if I wouldn't have done this, um, if I wouldn't have had the courage to walk out my door and to walk into this door, where that path might have taken me. Being at home just was an exercise in spiraling into uh, a, a big pit of negativity. And I got to the point where I was ready to save myself. Um, and so I climbed out of that pit and I found second shift. And I, I feel like it's almost hyperbole to say that, but especially not knowing what would have happened, maybe I would have been able to get out of myself. But this certainly hastened the process and made it easier and expanded my world greatly and um, gave me some new friends that are in my area. And um, I, I just, I can't even describe, I mean, it helped, you know, there's so many different things. I, I, I don't even know where to start on, on how helpful it was other than just showing up was that, that help that I needed to start feeling better about myself. I didn't have a plan. I had no idea. I mean, okay, that's not exactly true. Um, I had an inkling of an idea. I knew that I was good at a whole bunch of things. So part of coming here was to get my focus so that I could write my resume um, and then concentrate on where I was going to find a job. And I was looking at large consulting firms. Um, I was looking at other private businesses, but in a, like a business analyst or um, in some sort of position that would be management, but, or, or consulting type internally, just something um, that would fit with my skill set. I had so many different things that I had done because I had run a business. And so I did all of the different things and being here actually, and some of the things that are done here, like the Monday morning huddle um, where everybody gets together and talks about what it is they do, you know, their name, what it is they do, and what they're going to try to accomplish that week. And for the first time, I had to stand around a group of strangers and try to explain what it is that I can do. And what I blurted out was a listing of all the different things I could do. And afterwards, one of the people in the meeting or in the huddle, um, came up to me and introduced himself and we talked for a little bit and he gave me some really good feedback, which is concentrate on the important things that you're going to do. I don't know if that's the exact phrase that he used, but you know, I was all over the board. I, I didn't present any sort of package of what it is that I wanted to do for real. You know, I had a whole bunch of things that I can do, but what do I want to do? The Coworkaholic Diaries are sponsored in part by Coworker.com. Want to try out coworking for yourself but don't know where to begin? Visit Coworker.com, where you can browse over 10,000 spaces in 161 countries. On Coworker, you can read thousands of member reviews, view photos, see prices, schedule tours, book day passes, ask questions, or make a booking request for a hot desk, dedicated desk, or an office for your team. Looking for something specific? You can filter over a hundred different amenities such as free parking, standing desks, an on-site gym, 24-hour access, podcasting rooms, or even free beer. So what are you waiting for? 
Find a dream co-working space near you on coworker.com today. I got a little um, put off by that challenge to what it is I do. I'm like thinking to myself, what nerve does he have to tell me this? It was that challenge though that, you know, even though I was a little ticked, I started to think, well, I think he's a little bit right here. I think I need to focus. And so that focusing on what it is that I really want to do forced me to look for jobs differently and look for opportunities differently. I really feel that that, op- that opportunity to reflect, understand what it is I want to do and state what I want to do, you know, out loud on paper, you know, in a, in a format for me to, to keep reminding myself, this is what you're doing. This is what you're doing. These are the kind of careers that you want to look for. These are the kind of jobs you want to try and find. Um, and you pour your energy into that and then you start to see them. Told me about personal things in our life that were going on and how coworking has been a part of the upswing from some low spots. And that, yeah, that's really heavy. I mean, like, it really had an impact on me. And it's just so much more. And we said in that moment, her and I said, it's so much more than an office. It's not just an office. I wish everybody could understand what else coworking can be for people because just having it be a place where you can be dealing with something personal, dealing with depression, dealing with who am I in the world, and that your office space could somehow reflect back to you some positive points of who you are, to me is amazing. I I just hope this is, you know, and I believe it is another step towards welcoming all di- all different types of people. And, and I do tell everyone that when they join, right? I say, we're, we're open to all different religions, beliefs, backgrounds, looks, identities, but actually seeing it is not something you see at every space. It's not something you see at co-working spaces, certainly in like the tech world is struggling with this. People like Patty are why we're doing this and, and allow us to be the space that we want to be. Because of my status in the LGBTQ community. Um, I mean, just being a member, not like I have some like super status. Is there a platinum elite? There's, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't, I honestly haven't known I've been in that for that long. Um, it's been about two and a half years of, of figuring that out. But um, so in this space, I have friends that aren't part of that community. And it feels good for me to, to get outside of you know, we, we live in little echo chambers because they're comfortable. And it took a lot for me to get through the door here um, because I had a certain fear level at, at a certain point um, over the last year of living out um, that, you know, I had the fear of walking through my front door out to the outside world. Um, and as an, an endurance athlete, I had a lot of trouble going outside in the morning for a run when it was dark. Um, and I was, you know, frankly speaking, dressed fairly androgynously and I just didn't have the confidence to do that. So walking through a door of a place like this, that's a group of people, that's an office that I didn't know what to expect was a little terrifying, but you know, you just, sometimes you just do it and, and you walk into a place that is like this, that 
is a community of people that are open and, and welcoming. And one of the first things that was said to me when I, when I showed up is something about the inclusivity of the space. It's been just fantastic to be able to meet other people um, because being trans is just one of my many traits um, or one of my many descriptors. Um, you know, I, I meet people here that we can talk businessy stuff and I, I meet other people here we can talk about shoes, <laughs> you know, and I, and I have friends here that we can talk about life too. Um, so it's, for me, um, it's a great opportunity for me to expand that group of people that I am associated with. You know, there's people here that I don't know, even though I've been here every day. For, well, not every day, but I'll, three days out of five, easily four days out of five for the last two months. And um, but that's what's good about a space like this is that there's an opportunity for community that is available to you. And you can have as much community as you want. Now there's days where I put my headphones in or I go into a phone booth and I get to do some work. As a person who was the boss in the office, I couldn't go to happy hour. I couldn't go to the barbecues. Or if I did go to any of those events, I was the in-charge person. And so I'm here now and I'm not in charge of anything. And so I can have work friends. And I, you know, it's like, you know, in addition to the community here not being a hyper competitive because everybody's working towards that next rung um, at the same company. Um, it's it's also that environment that I get to go and and have work friends. Transitioning out of a corporate environment where I'm tied to a physical office, but this is like an office of choice. Actually tying myself to a physical office when I don't have to be. Because of that, I think it, it definitely has a different feeling than a than a corporate office. That she felt comfortable sharing with me what co-working has meant, it, it really hit me hard in a great way. It's, it's meant a lot for me that Patty has been here and, and felt comfortable. And now, uh, I mean, she just, so stepping away from like that specific identity piece yeah. of it, just as a co-working member, she's just so integrated into the space and is, you know, working with different people and collaborating on things and has jumped in on other people's projects when they're shorthanded. Um, and, you know, commenting on the Slack, leaving emoji responses, like that's the sort of stuff you want to see just out of any co-working member, um, because it means they're, they're valuing the space, valuing the people in the space and getting a lot out of it. You know, different businesses, different co-working spaces, all are different paths and trajectories. For us, it's a truly small business story of two people working very hard to, to bring something to life. It's not easy all the time. There's plenty of hurdles. And there are lots of frustrating times where I'm like, Ugh, why am I doing this? And so Patty being open about being trans and feeling like she could share that here comfortably in second shift um, means a lot. To me, that was just a, a moment in the trajectory of this business that we have been working really hard on as, as a small business, as, as two people trying to make something come alive, putting our heart and soul, putting the hours in for over a year now. Just another like signal that we are on the right path, doing the right thing. And those but I can imagine those moments. Those are the moments. Those are the moments where you know why you're doing. I, I can't say for certain that I'm the oldest member here. Um because I don't want to make any assumptions. And I haven't met everybody here. It's kind of like a gym, you know, that 
there are a lot of people who are members here and not a lot of them show up all the time. And then there are some, you know, people who have a desk pass and will come through. And um, so I, I, I have made friendships, though, across the range of all the people here. And, you know, some of it is beneficial for um, work, but it's, some of it's also social. And, you know, I think that that's the thing that I have taken away from it. Part of the process here was to allow me to realize that I was okay, you know, and in those huddles and talking to people about what I can do and or like the power hour where everybody goes into the conference room, shuts off the Wi-Fi, turns off, the, leaves the phones outside of the room and, and does their work. The transition from being overweight, lazy to an endurance athlete um, helped me in business. Said so that that whole process taught me patience and planning, and and that transition of my life, which is kind of funny because as a triathlete, you have to transition between sports during it. So as I'm going through all this talking about transition and then I keep talking about transition to my triathlete friends who had no idea what I was going through it just it would kept it kept me laughing but um just the that planning and that patience because you know I don't I didn't sign up for an Ironman and do it the next week I signed up for an Ironman and I did it the next year a, a literal year later and there's a whole structure and process and for me, for going through this process and this transition in my life, there's no instant gratification. And I don't think had I not done that, I would be ready to be doing this the way that I'm doing it. Because you can't make giant super leaps before you're ready. You can't run faster than you are really able to be trained, than you're trained to run. So I have not, I've had that mindset that this is going to happen slowly, but it's going to be steady. And the progression is going to be like training for an event. When you look at it, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a workspace. It's a place that people go to do their work. And so for me to say that it saved my life, I almost feel like I'm over overstating that but the reality is that that really is what it is this place has made me a better person and um, helped me come out of that shallow moment and, and get out of that dark place because of that focusing activity that i was forced to do not really forced but you know in a way forced to do that um, reflection pointed me in the direction of certain things that serendipity hit and when an opportunity came up uh, with someone who I'd been talking to before that just so happened to fit so perfectly that I couldn't say no. And now another one has popped up at the same time too that is um, kind of the second half of what it is that I want to do. The first one is more the technology and the other the other one that I has just come up is less technology, more about people and change. So business process management and software and change management and, and organizational um, design. And so, and those are the two things that I really wanted to do. And just, I, I don't know if it's 
because being aware and ready for things is how things happen manifesting or whatever you want to call it but being available for that in your world i think helps it show up in your world.